A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Wheelhouse DNA. Hi, everyone. My name is Boye Koloday. And I'm Chris Sattel. And welcome to The Future Forecast, a podcast where we explore the intersection between business, technology, and entertainment. Today, we're looking ahead. We're going to talk about McDonald's new promotion, how Reddit is going public, and the new bill aiming to keep young people off social media. But first, let's catch up. If you missed it, Chris Sattel had a hot take that was struck from the record books, and it's getting put back in. Okay. The hot take being, of course, that Bitcoin and ETH being the two prominent cryptocurrencies out there in the world, that this year would be a bullish year for, for transactions. And I'm not looking to parade around and say that I'm right and be like, ha ha ha, I, I am, but I, but I am. And it has gone up relatively, I would say 20, eh, 20%. Point is... Crypto went up. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not mad at that hot take. I'm, I've actually been staring at my phone all morning. I'm actually super stoked. Well, you know what? I, I love it, guys. <laughs> um, I'm just. I'm not even mad. How high do you think it's going to go? I, I think it'll go up to 125, but I, I don't think that's going to happen in this year. I could foresee a scare happening. There is so much tension between Russia and the U.S. and China and all these discussions around the, the deficit and where we are uh, being like trillions of dollars in debt. Yeah. There, there could be a huge spike. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people are saying there's a couple different reasons why Bitcoin is on a tear. One, recently, it was allowed as an ETF. Yeah. Right? Uh, there's rumors of Ethereum being allowed to be an ETF. Uh, the Bitcoin halving, right, uh, is another. It always goes up with that halving. Yeah. But then it, and then it goes down right after. Yeah. Well, and then the economy in general, you know. So uh, I, I think, you know, crypto certainly has uh, a, a lot of opportunity. The question, though, is will NFTs come back? I think NFTs, as we know them, will not. I mean, the announcement that happened with Epic. Epic, is, uh, Epic and Disney, that's one giant NFT. In my personal opinion, all they're talking about is associating digital collectibles or things that you can collect online and associating them with a price point. All right. Should we talk about the first topic of the day? Yeah, let's do it. McDonald's has a brand new campaign that they released in the form of a rebrand as a nod to the art of manga and anime. So it's a cool new program. It's becoming Wick Donald's. So it's flipping the. MC with WC. It's going to have limited edition packaging, a new chili sauce, and a series of anime shorts and manga. I actually think it's really cool and unique, and it's a smart niche play for McDonald's, who has been like on a tear with their marketing campaign. But uh, to go anime and just have this huge campaign is quite interesting. I just love that they put in there that they'll also have a new chili sauce. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that just... 
Oh no, yes! The one thing by that is dope. I Their mean, sauces I, are iconic. Their sauces are iconic. Yeah. So I I never I never had the sauces. I never did it. I never got like what is it like honey barbecue? It was like and, a Sichuan yeah. sauce or something like that. I don't Rick know. and Morty like defined the Szechuan sauce. They yeah. brought it back. Yeah. I mean, yeah. talk about marketing. How crazy is that? I mean, not to go off off kilter here, but to talk about anime. Yeah. To have pop pop culture be so relevant with McDonald's to like have the Szechuan sauce be a fan favorite or a cult favorite that was discontinued, then be implemented in a cartoon and be brought back by McDonald's because of it. Yeah. So that we then, as we talk about this, like I wonder actually phenomenal marketing. I wonder how much, you know, tying it into the cartoon and the and the anime, you know, the idea of a moment in pop culture causing sort of real life implications, you know, this is almost the reverse, right? It's, it's a huge restaurant, uh, multi-billion dollar company saying we recognize the power of storytelling and we're going to co-opt, you know, this demographic of, of people. Cause I think ma- like anime crosses divides it's not just for young kids you know i feel yeah. like a lot of like you and i we we like anime i oh, grew up on this grew on it tsunami come on guys <laughs> let's not anyone listening shippuden uh yeah that's exactly right naruto oh, one piece like i loved it all i used to i used to i would get home from school between 3 p.m and 4 p.m I mean, usually 4 p.m i would almost miss dragon ball z but Toonami was Cartoon Network's like anime period or moment in time. I used to try to, I always wanted to watch the cartoon, the inter, little interstitial Toonami cartoon moments. They would never play them. I now finally got to watch them after the fact on YouTube. But it took, you know, they, they created a full storyline. Yeah. Anyway, did you know that the NFL also did this? This is becoming so much, it's, it's really more great commentary on anime becoming more and more relevant or or at the forefront of pop culture. Yeah. And I would say Western civilization recognizing it because the people that loved it, like yourself and myself, are now becoming uh, into power, so to speak, you yeah. know, at, a, at a marketing level to actually reward those that, yeah. that, that watched it. So it's, it's super interesting. I want to dive in a little bit, too, into uh, the artists and the creators behind McDonald's. So... Uh, the branding for this promotion was actually led by a Japanese manga artist named Aki Bright. And uh, he is commissioned to create this content. And this is a quote from him, although I'm a manga artist and often parody real brands to avoid legal issues, this occasion was unique because McDonald's itself initiated the parody officially, a first of its kind globally. Not trying to take anything away from Wickdonald's. Yeah. the name already. I hate it <laughs> so much. What are the, WikiLeaks? Is this going to be an, I don't even, I, I can't even, I got no jokes. McDonald's. What is that? So I am going to defend it. A, I vibe with the name. I think it's like cool and quirky. This name has actually been around for a while. Uh, tons of TV shows, graphic novels, video games. They have not wanted to infringe on McDonald's. So they've actually had been flipping this in the past. And so this is McDonald's essentially recognizing this community. I think it's, it's kind of cool, you know, cause it was an animes, you know, and content like cat's eye, cowboy bebop, you know, so on and so forth. McDonald's baby. Anyways. So Aki bright, 
was commissioned by McDonald's and cool. the studio Piero, I think that's how you pronounce it, to produce four anime shorts as a part of the campaign. Piero is known for Naruto. Uh, I you love say Naruto. Naruto. Oh, you say Naruto? I say Naruto. Uh, yeah, I mean, potato, potato. Uh, anyways, they're, they're, these shorts are around a different theme, romance, action, fantasy, etc. Can we just talk about that? That's a huge get for them. I mean, like, between any studio, Studio Ghibli, uh, is it Ghibli? Yeah. I mean, to get Pero, I mean, like, I don't know about you, but Naruto is truly my favorite. Yeah. Like, of, of all the it, animation styles, Naruto is truly. Yeah, I love, I love, I agree with you. Naruto is, like, the best one, and it's also my favorite. And I, I piggybacking off of Naruto, recently it was announced that Naruto was going to get a live-action spinoff. And what I'm seeing is really just a huge play for anime in general. How do we feel about the live action adaptation? I'm nervous, but excited about it. I think it will be, I personally am someone who I like worlds. I like world building. So I've loved the manga. I've loved the anime. And so to see it live action, I'm excited. But yes, they could butcher it. I don't know. Uh, But, you know, one piece I thought was pretty successful uh, in sort of translating the the manga and the anime on screen. So it feels like a lot of brands are really excited about anime. And I feel in a way anime has felt very like subculture, you know what I mean, like not widespread at least when we were coming up. But this is like mainstream now when you have like huge brands really yeah. you know coordinating, you know, campaigns like this. But I again, I have to give the flowers to McDonald's, who has done really interesting campaigns with everyone from Sweetie to Travis Scott, Jay Balvin, Cactus Flea Market. I feel like they really get it. They kind of make me want to eat a cheeseburger right now. I'm not going to go consume the digital graphic novel. Yeah, I mean, look, some of it's probably hype. And we have to remember, McDonald's is a global brand. It's not just American. I think it's just cool, kitschy, right? For example, when they do something with Cactus Flea Market, not everyone is getting the toys or has the ability to get the toys, but part of it's just the PR, you know. We should talk about the next topic of today, Reddit's going public. Whoa. Yeah. So social media message board site Reddit filed last Thursday to go public, making it the first major social media company to do so in several years. Facebook filed in 2012, Twitter in 2013, and Snapchat in 2017. So yeah, I guess it has been a while. Reddit boasts 73 million daily users and has more than 100,000 active communities. Uh, I know for a while it's branded itself as really like the early, it's like the, the internet under the internet, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Now it feels like Reddit is mainstream, and they've had a lot of limelight over the last couple of years, especially when it came to GameStop and AMC and the whole Wall Street bets, you know, run. And so it's actually quite meta uh, that, no, no pun intended, yeah, no pun intended, it's actually quite meta that they are now going public and actually face the threat of becoming a meme stock themselves, for better or worse. Will you buy? No, I don't think so. Why? I just, like... So apparently they're they're trying to get a price of five billion at IPO, like a valuation. And it's like how big can Reddit actually get? 
You know what I mean? Like if I if I buy in at five billion, how big do I really think this company is going to be? I don't know if they're making a lot of money. You know, well, where do they make their money? Ads? Yeah, I think Reddit's working on some other monetization streams as well. But I know maybe a year ago there was like rumors bubbling that they actually haven't really even turned a profit in all of their years. That makes sense. It makes sense, but to be around for as long as they have and to be in this environment where Wall Street is rewarding profit, cash flow, healthy margins over just pure scale, I feel like that's why I would be hesitant to buy. Because there's that open forum, just anything you ask, question, do, say, you might not, it might not be attached to your data or your name personally if you don't actually, if you didn't set up an account in that way. But they do have all that data. They do. And there's a lot of concern with the company licensing its data from countless threads and conversations to AI training models. Do you think a company should be allowed to do that? It depends, right? Some companies will get that permission up front. Some companies, it makes sense. Like, I don't want 23andMe selling my data. You know what I mean? That's like my DNA. But if I believe in the company and it's not going to hurt me, why not? It's a good question. But I think it's funny, though. They really have to think this through. I think you have a responsibility to make it publicly known so that moving forward, if you're going to start that, yeah, that people are opting in to that. I think they have to be extremely careful with their audience, period. And if they do want to collect and sell data, wisdom would say that they should take into consideration connecting with these community leaders, so on and so forth. I mean, and they understand this, you know, given that it was reported, Reddit's going to reserve some of its shares at IPO for about 75,000 of the company's most prolific users if they want to actually purchase it. And I believe it's because they know that if they have upset users, it's not going to go well for them. Those users have so much power. They were responsible for driving GameStop you know, into the billions to make people millionaires. And they were responsible for having these major hedge fund managers lose billions of dollars who were trying to short the stocks. Whatever they decide to do, they're in a predicament because they really have to factor in the community in it all. Fun fact, Sam Altman is the largest shareholder of Reddit. Oh, wow. Yeah. He owns more Reddit shares than the CEO, Steve Huffman. Really? Yeah. It's kind of wild. Sam, you know, he's the CEO of OpenAI, obviously. He, in an odd way, he's becoming like an Elon Musk type character, but he invested in, in, Red, in Reddit early. I don't know all the details of, of the background behind it, but yeah, right place, right time, I guess. Anyways, Reddit, it's going to be interesting to, to see the journey. I do, I do feel Reddit, again, has a lot of power when it comes to creating community. And uh, we'll see how the IPO does. Speaking of social media. Yeah. Florida wants kids off of it. Whoa. 16-year-olds and below. To Wait, be what? Yes. So Florida passed a bill to keep young people off social media. The measure has yet to be signed 
they as a state have really been on a tear to be in a position to give more power to parents and in their opinions, protect young people and young minds. I respect the idea of attempting that. 16 is, I think, a, a bit of a high age for it. I mean, if you're letting kids play video games, not, not equivocating them entirely the same, same regard, but there are people that are allowing their kids to play video games. I played video games at the age of two. Yeah, it, it's a little... Video games have evolved, though, right? So when we were younger, like, I didn't get a cell phone till I was in seventh grade and it was like lo-fi. You yeah, know, like the Nokia. Yeah, or the flip phone. Playing Snake. Exactly, right? So we're not like on social media then. Yeah. And even right now, there's an age, I think 13 is the age limit. Yes. Which people can get around, right? Mm-hmm. You can just put in a different date. So this bill is essentially going to force people to, should it come to pass, it's going to force the social media platforms, it's A, you have to be 16, B, you have to verify. So kind of like when you when you get set up like a Coinbase account, you have to like show your ID and make sure you are who you say you are. The idea is by having these restrictions, forcing the platforms to essentially take down, ban anyone who's under the age of 16. Uh, but this would be a state-by-state state type ruling. Yes. Yeah, this is, this is, I mean, I don't know that this is going to go to the Supreme Court, maybe, yeah. who knows. But yeah, the idea is this is probably going to be state by state. It's going to be a huge issue. What happens if the Supreme Court comes out and says, 18, you're allowed to vote. That's how we see freedom of speech. That could turn so much on its head and how we see the world, literally civilization. It's a great question. I mean, this, this bill has the potential to open up a huge can of worms, especially when it comes to, yeah. you know, the First Amendment, free speech. I don't have the answer. When when does free speech become free speech? I mean, one might argue when you're born. Yeah. You know, the moment the moment you're because you're free, right? Yeah. Although you're under the protection of your family. And so maybe that's where this comes in, right? You know, that at what technically at the age of eighteen is when you become an adult and your parents aren't don't oversee your decisions. That's the biggest issue with court system, right? Court system, if you're eight years old and you're talking, you have like a a family dispute or your parents are fighting and they're trying to find out where the best household is, a kid can say, I want to live with my mom or I want to live with my dad. And just because a kid says that, the court then dismisses the kid's opinion and their word because of the fear of the coercion that a child might be falling under with a parent. Yeah. I mean, you bring up, you bring up interesting points because there's so many nuances from the ages of 10 to 18, where there are some things allowed, but I want, I want to talk about something really quick because you mentioned gaming and I actually think that's a quite fascinating conversation. You know, what does this bill cover? Does it cover Twitch, Snapchat, et cetera? Because Fortnite, World of Warcraft, these are also social media platforms. They are indeed. You know, and and nefarious things happen on those platforms as well. And so I, I think it's interesting that we're that gaming is not a part of this conversation, which you've pointed out in in, in the past. And it, it it makes you call into question because so many young children they're on Roblox. You know? Yeah. They're on they're on Minecraft. 
They're and they have things. freedom of speech. They have the ability to like source and discuss and communicate. They do have they big brothers always watching. They, you know, they have like what is it like moderators is probably the the best word. <laughs> <laughs> but they they do have moderators. But there's only so many moderating and only so much. It, it, you're only seeing what you're seeing in the chat. You can't oversee too many of the conversations. Yeah. Well, the the big question at the end of the day is why? Why is this happening? You know, many parents, teachers politicians, doctors, they're worried about the mental health of young people due to prolonged social media use, which is interesting. I feel like if you ask any of these major tech CEOs, their kids are not on social media. They don't have phones till they're a certain age because they know the effects of what this does to your mind. But there is something to be said about the generational gap of looking at us, right, who are now at the age that we are, we've been seasoned, we've been in the industry, and we've been dealing with what we deal with. And think of, so we, we said we didn't have our phones till seventh grade. We probably weren't on social media in the, in the like earliest versions till like the beginning of high school, right? MySpace, Sanga, Facebook. These kids are getting iPads when they're two years old. This is a really hot take, and I'm saying it Coming off of what you were just saying, we don't put regulations on the food that we eat. We're given the freedom to make the right choices and the resources to be aware of things that we shouldn't or should. And what is the national standard of, you know, nutritional facts, et cetera. We are talking about limiting the communication that our young-minded people have and i and the goal of course being to protect their minds but we're also ironically enough then going to be putting them at a disadvantage as it pertains to other people that find loopholes around it to navigate the world of social for their own betterment and when i say betterment i don't mean their own self-betterment as like a human being but like let's talk about how much work gets done by way of social media now how much? Literally, they're, all kids do. I know so many kids that don't even use email, and they're truly just texting and DMing on social media to get stuff done by way of work. Now, again, a lot of those people now are 18 and up, but what about all the young, how many young entrepreneurs started out at 14? Yeah. You know, that, that, that were hustling and bustling and doing, and it was cute. Like, no one talked about their mental health. Yeah. It's all for the right reasons, but at what point are we doing too much yeah. and enforcing what we think to be the right reasons on others? Yeah, it's a great question. It's interesting you mentioned that as well because there are huge social media creators, influencers who are under the age of 16, you know? And so are we wiping out a generation of entrepreneurs who can't get started and who we can't see their POV. So I, I, I think it's just, it's not black and white. Yeah. It's, it's a very tough decision, and we'll see what the rest of the states do. All right. It's about that time. It's about that time. It's hot take time. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. All right. You're going to find that out on Spotify. <laughs> it's hot take time. All right. So, Chris, what's your hot take today? 
So we've talked about Sora. We've talked about innovation, taking away jobs or helping ramp up the ability for so many to have creative capabilities, but also costing others what they've worked so hard to do. And what we're seeing coming out of the SAG strike, I think we're going to see a lot less production coming out this year, though we would think that we would have the platforms all being like, we need to pump out more and more and more content. That's going to stay true. There is actually murmurs of Yahtzee, the international alliance of theatrical stage employees going on strike as well, which also covers, I believe it covers animation employees. Oh, wow. It's the animation guild, which many of the many members that were members of Yahtzee could still work both the writer strike and the SAG strike because the Yahtzee covers the animation guild. Mm. And so that's why everyone was saying, do more animation, do more animation, do more animation. And it might actually flip. So my hot take is as we see less shows in 2024 get sold, made, or even come to life this year and available for people to actually be in these jobs, 2024, 2025, branded content is going to continue. I mean, it's not going anywhere. I also think that many people are going to find themselves funneling into more branded experiential. So instead of seeing TV and film, we're going to see a lot more creatives focusing on branded and experiential events to make their money. I, I feel I, like that was two hot takes in one. Oh, it wasn't intentional. <laughs> it wasn't intentional. Um, no, I, I, I think that's, that's really interesting. And I could agree that productions will slow down this year. Tap into that brand money, baby. So my hot take, Dune 2 is coming out, and I happen to believe it's going to be a huge movie. The first one had around $400 million uh, in the box office, and the second one is getting a lot of great reviews, and I feel it has the potential to crack the top 100 top grossing movies of all time it has a great cast a really good like fervent fan base now that the first one's come out and yeah i think it's gonna make a lot of money wow yeah the next two months there's not a lot in theaters uh it's really it's like honestly like a dry spell right now kung fu panda is coming out like next week so i could see this being uh in the bill, maybe the billion dollar club, but the top 100, like there, there's a couple that are around 800 million. So I'll take the win there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a big movie. That's funny. That's huge. It's also the what the Doherty track going to be the highest rated sequel movie. On yes. The yes. Yeah. You're correct. You're correct. So it's getting good reviews. And, and usually what I've seen when a movie's actually good and it's got good word of mouth, people will want to go see it after it comes out. Uh, great episode today. Thanks for tuning in to the Future Forecast. Like and subscribe wherever you get podcasts, and we'll catch you next week. The Future Forecast is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for ACAST. Our executive producers are me, Boye Koloday, along with Fanny Baudry, Cassie Berman, and Leah Sutherland. Our audio producer is Kiara Noni. Our audio engineer is Matthew Blocka. Our editor is Nick Kersamy. The podcast is hosted by yours truly, Boye Kolade and Chris Sautel. Thanks for listening and see you next time. 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.